0: Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. Amen and amen. Thank you, Brother Doyle, again, and Miss Katie. I did speak with Brother Ligon via text message earlier. He is... Feeling a little better, so we hope and pray that uh, he recovers but thank you uh, for for standing in the stead for us uh, on particularly short notice, uh, I believe for miss Katie so thank you so much for that. It sometimes takes an entire village uh, to to do this thing and as we get together this evening, uh, I had a sneaking suspicion uh, that there would be Several who had been with us through our study of James up to this point who would not be with us tonight, and so I began to think of what uh what what it was that we would we would get into and all week long, uh, this particular text had kind of stuck with me for some reason i'd been to it several times and this whole section several times and uh, i I don't know. Uh, who hear that this message is for this evening, um, maybe it's me, but I know that this message is for someone uh, who was providentially planned to be here this evening. I am as confident of that uh, as I have ever been, strolling into the pulpit, that this message is for somebody here tonight. Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 22, and the title of this evening's message is God's Providence, God's providence. Let me get my my clock in front of me so I can not look at it again. And as we gather this evening, we're heading into a new year. It's full of excitement, uh, full of ambition for for a lot of people. A lot of people making a lot of changes. I don't know about your house, but I know at, at my house, uh, we we Lord, we've got just tons of changes. We've got goal boards going up and, and, and all kinds of plans, things that we want to accomplish financially in 2018, things we want to accomplish spiritually in 2018, things we want to do, places we want to go, uh, things that we don't want to eat anymore in 2018 or, or things that we're not supposed to eat, although I want to eat them uh, in 2018. We've got all kinds of goals and, and ambitions heading into this year. And as we gather this evening to take a moment to look at the exodus of the Israelites, hopefully we'll recognize the providence of God in our lives. The providence of God in our lives. You know, I've said over and over in these last two weeks, but it is so true and I'll say, I'll continue to say it, no matter what happened last year, no matter what happened in 2017, it's over, whether it was your best year yet or your worst year yet. Uh, and here's what I mean. If it was your worst year yet, good, it's over. Now it's time to start new with 2018. If it was your best year yet, the worst thing you can do is stand on your victories of 2017 and not grasp 2018 and move forward. And so here's, here's what I want us to really concentrate on, though, is that we look to Christ as our supply. We look to Christ as the one we depend on, and we recognize that he is sovereign and good in all of our circumstances. And this evening we look to what I call a little wilderness wandering. A little wilderness wandering. Now I don't know about you guys, but I love studying the Exodus of the Israelites. I spend a lot of time each year studying through the book of Exodus. And I think that I do that because it reminds me of myself quite often. I don't know about you guys, maybe I'm standing in the most holy group of people in the world, but I find myself wandering the wilderness quite often in my life. And, and I do that when I do what the Israelites did, and I find myself unprepared to take the next step or with my eyes where they shouldn't be. Off of Christ, off of God, off of His providence, off of His sovereignty, and kind of wandering around. And So we look to Exodus chapter 13 verses 17 through 22, and please stand this evening in honor and reverence of the holy word of our holy God, Exodus chapter 13, beginning in verse 17, and then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, though that was near. God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under a solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. And so they took their journey from Succoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness... And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Let us pray. Father God, help us to focus on you and you alone this evening. God, bind anything from our minds that would hinder our pure worship of you through the reading and teaching of your word. God, let us glorify you as we gather as a group this evening. Sanctify us even now. Draw us nearer to you even now, God. And it is in your precious name that we pray as all God's children sin. And you may be seated. And a couple things to remember as we dive into our text this evening. Let's just kind of take back and remember where we are heading into this story. The Israelites had been slaves to Egypt in bondage for some 400 years. 400 years of bondage. And then God hears the plea of His people. He sends them a leader in Moses. And they petitioned Pharaoh to let God's people go. And the reaction of the Pharaoh, we all remember, he would not hear of it. And so God brought a series of plagues on the Egyptian people. But not until the final plague, the most harsh plague was brought, would Pharaoh issue the command to let the people go. Now that plague, of course, was the death of the firstborn of the land of all those whom the angel of death did not pass over. And the way that the Israelites would mark their door was with the blood of the Lamb. It's not really part of the sermon per se, but just think about that with me for a minute. How fitting that the blood of the Lamb on the doorstep, the blood of the Lamb marked upon their house, was why the angel of death would pass over them and that they would be saved from death only by the blood of the Lamb. Folks, people that say... That this Old Testament is just a history book, that it it doesn't have gospel meaning, that it doesn't point to Jesus. They're crazy. They're just not looking. If that ain't a picture of Jesus, I don't know what is. Right there in the book of Exodus in the Old Testament, we see that the story of, of, of everything, Genesis through Revelation, is the story of Jesus Christ. If you don't read this book and take it and look at it and see it pointing to Jesus Christ and our salvation through Christ, you are not looking at it correctly. But right there, it's just as plain as can be. We see Jesus pictured in that lamb, the blood of the lamb, to save him from death. How, how else are we saved from death but by the blood of the lamb? But let's, let's move on or we'll stay there all night. That death caused a great cry. In the land of Egypt, Pharaoh then said, Let them go. He was so uh, distraught, mourning so much the loss of his own child, mourning the loss of the children in the land, that, that he let these people go. Get them out of here. I don't want them here anymore. God had delivered his people through this series of plagues, and the children of Israel were set free. The blood of the Lamb saved them from death, and the plagues that he had put on them calls their deliverance, and then they are set free. Which brings us to our text this evening. Here we are, beginning in verse 17, looking at the first thing I want us to look at tonight, and that is that the wilderness is required. The wilderness is required. The people are delivered from Egypt, and they head out towards Canaan land, and there were two real paths for them to take to get from Egypt To the promised land. One was a short way. They could have gone from northern Egypt into southern Canaan. It would have been a very short journey. And the other way was a very long journey south, down by Mount Sinai, by the Red Sea, and then back up north to head to Canaan. Now, how many geography majors do we have in the house? What is the quickest way to get from point A to point B? Somebody tell me. Straight. Makes sense, right? They've been set free. They've been in bondage for 400 years. 400 years in slavery thinking about the promised land that was promised to your grandfathers. Thinking about the fact that you were going to be set free. Thinking about that one day you were going to walk out of bondage. That's where we find the Israelites. Surely to goodness, once they're set free, they're going to take the short route to get to the promised land. It only makes sense that they'd go and get on the expressway to make their way to the promised land. But God's Word says basically they weren't ready for the expressway yet. The wilderness was required in their lives. And I want to look at a few reasons why they were in no way ready to go the short way. The first reason Scripture gives us He says, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines. See, to go that short route, they were going to have to go by the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines were a great, mighty warrior people. They were known for the way that they made war and the way that they uh, took over lands and the way they would encamp and, and make great warfare. And God said, these These people are not ready for a great war. These people are not ready to face the Philistines. These people, uh, they've been slaves for 400 years, not soldiers. They're not prepared for this battle that's going to take place if they go by way of the Philistines. What's going to happen is they're going to get there. The Philistines are going to attack. They're going to see war and they're going to tuck tail and run right back to where they came from. They're going right back to Egypt if they see this war. They've got to go this other route because they're not ready for the Philistine war yet. Another thing we see as we read further is that they they had to stay in the wilderness to remove a few things. If you read further in Exodus, they they had to be changed before they could head into the promised land. Essentially, you could say in one night they were set free. Free from Egypt, but it was going to take 40 years for Egypt to be removed from them, enough for them to go to the promised land. They had so much ingrained into them. Imagine that. I, I think sometimes we read those numbers and we don't let them sink in as to what they really mean, but think of that with me. 400 years in bondage. 400 years in bondage, a lot of Egypt had rubbed off On the Israelites, you might say. I even heard someone say that by the time they left Egypt, they were Israelites in name alone. They no longer really practiced the way that the Israelites were supposed to practice. They had to learn all of those things again. And the wilderness is where they were going to be changed. It's where they were going to learn to trust God for their provisions. Even though he delivered them, they still had to learn to fully trust on him for his provisions, You see, church, that long journey that they had to go on, it, it was not coincidental. It was not something that just happened. It was something that was required. God was using the wilderness to protect them from the army they couldn't see in the Philistines, to remove the army they could see. That was the Egyptians that were going to come after them. And even more importantly, to teach them to depend on him for everything. They needed that time in the wilderness so that they would learn that all of their provision came from God. And I don't know about you guys, but I think, I think we all get in the wilderness sometimes, don't we? We all go through those seasons in our lives where we look around and we just really feel like we're in the wilderness and we don't know why. Those seasons when you, you look around and you wonder if God knows where he's taking you. I'm sure that some of those Israelites who were smart enough to know where the promised land was and where Egypt was was bound to have thought, why are we wandering way down here? Why are we going to this Red Sea? Why are we going to this mountain? Why are we going... This direction, God. Why are you taking us this? Why did you deliver us from Egypt just to take us into this wilderness and we can't see the the end in sight? We don't know how this is going to go, God. I don't understand why these things are going on in my life. I, I, you, you delivered me. I gave you my life. I cried out, "God, save me!" And I want to follow you and I want to be yours. I stepped out on faith, God. And now I just feel like I'm in the wilderness and I don't know why. These things keep happening to me and I don't know what's going on. I don't know which path you're taking me. And God, I just, I can't see the end inside anymore. My friends, think about this. It could be that God is preparing you for the promised land that you're not ready to enter into yet. God's got something in store for you. And you're not ready for it yet. He's using the wilderness to prune away some things from your life. He's using this wandering to prune away some things from your life that that you need to let go of. Maybe you've been forgiven, but you still don't know how to forgive. Maybe your pride still swells up inside of you too much and it hasn't been removed yet. Maybe... You still put your ambitions before God's. Maybe you still depend on yourself for your deliverance and you haven't learned to depend completely on God. Whatever it is, I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you this, that the wilderness is sometimes required for us. But don't be downtrodden because Hebrews 13.5 says that even we're in the wilderness, Jesus never leaves us and never forsakes us. We're never really alone, no matter how we feel. He's always right there. And that brings us to our second point this evening. One, the wilderness is required sometimes, but our second point is this. God still expects our obedience in the wilderness. He still expects our obedience in the wilderness. Look at verses 19 and 20 with me. Verses 19 and 20, we see that they take the bones of Joseph with them. Now, this fulfills a covenant that Joseph had made back in Genesis chapter 50. Joseph knew that God was going to deliver the people. He knew that they were going to get out of Egypt. He knew that at some point God was going to deliver them. He didn't know when, but he had the faith that it was going to happen. They were going to be delivered. And he said this, he said, Carry my bones out of this place when you go. Don't leave me in Egypt. Don't bury me in Egypt. Don't put me here. Take me to the land that was promised to my grandfathers and my grandfathers. Take me to the promised land. I know that God is going to give it to us because he said he was going to give it to us. You keep my bones until then and that's where I want to be buried is in the promised land. And the significance there is pretty important. There were 400 years of bondage from the time they made that promise to the time that they toted his bones out of Egypt. Now I want you to think about that with me. 400 years those bones had been sitting there. Probably, if I had to guess, in the corner of some tent somewhere. I can't imagine that they were all of that just that night on display. I don't know. Maybe they were. I wasn't there, obviously. But 400 years of bondage and suddenly Pharaoh says, let them go. And somebody comes and says, hey guys, it's time for us to go. We've been set free. We've been slaves our whole lives. Your parents were slaves all their lives, but we're leaving this place. Hey, somebody get the bones of Joseph. I said, are you crazy, man? I ain't getting the bones of Joseph. I'm getting my coat. I might need it. I'm, I'm, I'm getting my family. I'm taking care of me. I'm doing what I've got to do. But 400 years of bondage. And they still had a concern for holding to that covenant of the old patriarch. And I believe this is why. I believe that as they set in slavery and set in bondage and were fixing to travel through the wilderness with these bones, I believe that those bones were a sign of hope and in turn a sign of obedience. Right? And here's what I mean. I think for the Israelites, they looked at them and they said, There's hope that we're going to be delivered. We're supposed to take these bones to the promised land. I believe that that that's going to happen. And they had hope when they looked at them. And so I think they were glad to embrace taking them out with them. But I think it also showed an obedience that even as they exited as slaves, even as they were getting ready to walk out, they had obedience to God that they would take the bones of Joseph with them when they go. And so they were being obedient to God as God had fulfilled his promise to deliver them. And so there's so much shown in those bones. There's the promise of God and then there's the obedience of the people as they flee Egypt. But I think that in the wilderness, as we wander through our seasons in life, I think that's perhaps the hardest place to be obedient to God, isn't it? And maybe, again, maybe this message was for me. But that's the hardest place to be obedient to God. It's when I'm wandering through a wilderness, trying to, maybe I'm trying to do what God commanded me to do, but it just seems like everything's stacking up against me and nothing's going the right way. And the last thing I feel like doing is being faithful to God Because sometimes in the wilderness, if we're being completely honest, again, I realize you're all sanctimonious and holy people, but if we're being completely honest, there's sometimes that we're we're apt to say, God, are you being faithful to me? Right, we think that sometimes, don't we? It's okay to admit it. Sometimes we go, is God even doing these things that I thought he was going to do? Did I head out on this journey on my own? But in the wilderness, we are still expected to be obedient to God's commands on our lives. Even when we feel like we would rather do virtually anything else. When we accepted Him, and we accepted His grace, and we accepted His mercy, we made a covenant that we would make Him our Lord. And that we would obey Him even in the wilderness. And so God requires our obedience in the wilderness, but also... God's going to show us that only He can guide us from the wilderness. Only He can guide us from the wilderness. Look at verse 21 and 22 with me. Verse 21 and 22, we see that even though the wilderness was there, and even though their obedience was required, that He never really left them alone. And how did He show them that? He gave them a cloud by day and a fire by night so they could navigate on their journey. And they were going to need some advantage to stay ahead of the Egyptians, weren't they? They might not have realized it when they left, but God knew that at some point in time the Pharaoh was going to decide he was mad, get over his mourning, his anger was going to take over, and he was going to send the Egyptian army out after him. And so the Israelites were going to need to be able to move by day and by night, and God provided that for them. He provided them a way to travel anytime. And I believe in verse 22, when it says he would not take it from them, I think that that is a, a, a plea and a, a, something that we have to recognize that just echoes Hebrews 13, 5. He will not leave us nor forsake us. So when we're in the wilderness and we want to feel like we're alone and we want to feel like we're trying to do it all by ourselves and we don't want to be obedient to God, we can have faith that even in that wilderness, even in those moments, he is still there, comforting us, providing our light, providing our cloud, providing for us if we will only trust Him. If we'll only trust Him. And in fact, I would be inclined to say that the wilderness is where we learn to trust Him. Because when everything's going well, we have a tendency to trust ourselves. But when we don't have anything else to lean on, that's when we learn to trust God. That's when we learn to lean on Him. That's when we learn to recognize that if it weren't for that pillar of fire, we couldn't see. It kind of makes me think about my children. Sometimes, for no apparent reason, my children make their way from their bedroom into my bedroom at night and it doesn't matter what brought them to me instantly when they get to me it's better now I don't think it's because I'm so good looking it could be I suppose some of you will wake up get that later it's because their father is there and they recognize my presence. They recognize Liette's presence. And I think sometimes the only thing that's keeping us from the comfort of Christ is that we won't just grab a hold of the hem of his garment. We, wanna, we want him to save us. But then when we get on our journey and we get in the wilderness, we want to try to figure it out on our own. And he's right there. He's right there just waiting on us to lean on him and trust in him. So even though we journey through the wilderness, we're not alone. We have the word of God to guide us. We have our church family to embrace us. We have prayers to help us see that pillar of light. But Jesus is never gone. He's always with us. Psalms 46.1 says he's our refuge and he's our strong tower. But we just forget to tap into the power that God has for us because we're too busy trying to navigate through the wilderness. Now, if you look forward a little while, you're going to see that the Israelites come to the Red Sea. And when they get there, they find themselves in quite a pickle, you might say. There's a great big sea in front of them, and there's a great big army behind them. And what did God do? He said, Be still and he parted the sea, didn't he? See, they needed to go through the wilderness and they needed to see the Red Sea and they needed to go through that journey because God was showing them that even when you find yourself between a a sea that you cannot cross and an army that you cannot defeat, I'm still in control. I'm still in control. No, you can't navigate the sea. And no, you can't defeat the army. But if you'll just trust me, you don't have to do either. Matter of fact, I'm going to do both in one fatal swoop. But I need you to trust in me first. I need you to be obedient to me. I need you to wander through the wilderness and learn to depend on me. I will never leave you nor forsake you but I need you to know that I'm God and that I'm in control of this. And so as we close, maybe you're here and you're wandering through the wilderness right now. And maybe it's been that way for some time for you. You've been a little foggy. You don't know why things are going the way they're going. And you just don't know what to do. My friend, just trust in God. Just trust in God because if he saved you, He didn't save you to leave you where you were. He saved you to move you to where you're going. Put your faith and your trust in Him. Say, brother, it's it's this, it's that. I I don't care how bad it is. Brother, it's it's a sickness. It's a financial situation. It's a family situation. It's a, a work situation. It's a church situation. Good. God is the God of all of those situations. He's the God of all of those situations. Put your trust in Him. Is it going to be instantly better? Maybe not. Maybe. He certainly can. But put your faith in Him. Put your trust in Him. And look at that Red Sea and look at that army and say, my God is bigger than both of you even though I can't defeat either of you. Even though this situation is beyond my control, my God is big enough to take care of it. And so somebody here tonight, I'm telling you to trust in the Lord this evening. Put your faith in God. Cast everything you got on that good old gospel ship and trust in the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, God, I thank you that you never leave me and you never forsake me that God, in spite of everything I may have done to try to separate myself from you, that your word tells me that nothing can separate me from your love. And God, I thank you for that. And God, for somebody here that's wandering through a wilderness, God, they they needed to hear that you're in control one more time. Sure, they already knew it. Sure, intellectually, they already had it. But God, in their heart, they need to to grab hold of your coattails, Lord God. Just touch the hem of your garment and recognize that you can part the Red Seas and you can crush the Egyptian armies. That when things are out of our control, you're still in control. That God, you are a sovereign and providential God. So God, help us to put our faith and trust in you, and it is in your precious, saving name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.